Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. All right, well, I have the incredible privilege of finishing uh, the Psalm series as we've done this summer. And I've got to tell you, I'm starting with a little bit of depression as we go here because I kind of get into whatever series that we are in. And I think this is the greatest book in the scripture. It's never going to be great again. Right While I'm in that, and then as much as there's a little bit of heaviness, I'm bummed we're out of the Psalms, I'm excited that we are jumping into Hebrews, but you don't have to leave the Psalms behind. You can take the Psalms with you past the Psalm series. So I don't know what your normal rhythms are of studying God's word, but a Psalm a day is pretty good medicine. I'm telling you, if you could make that habit, put that habit into your disciplines as you spend time with the Lord, that would be uh, a great thing. Another practice uh, that you might do as you study the scripture or something that's helpful for me is I tend to title uh, the chapter that I am studying. I'll put a title on that chapter or I'll put a title on the paragraphs in that particular chapter. And it's just a way for me to kind of get my head around, okay, what is the author trying to say or what is God trying to say to me? So I went back and I looked at Psalm 27. I saw, I, I studied it a few years ago uh, and I titled it Intimacy, Hang On Tight. Okay, and it was like, because David's in some pretty tough circumstances here as we're jumping into 27, but as I... Um, but as I studied it this last couple of weeks, I kind of changed, I updated my title. How's that? I updated it to seek and strengthen. Okay. And so we are going to spend some time talk about how we seek God and how we strengthen our hearts. One of the things that's a little troubling as we continue to grow as a church is I think that there are times when folks either they don't know how to seek or they've stopped seeking. Okay, or, or they've stopped strengthening their heart. And there's kind of some reasons for that. And I just wanna, wanna click off a couple of reasons why you may be stuck and not continuing to seek or not continuing to strengthen your heart. So part of what we do every week, our hope is that as we, uh, as we teach God's word, I hope that the spirit of God is enlightening things in your mind and in your heart. I hope he's convicting you about things that are going on so that we continue to grow in our walk with Christ. But here's some of the things that may cause us to get stuck and not continue seeking God. One is just sin, right? That we have let just... Um, the patterns of sin in our life just kind of overwhelm us that they're so heavy and we just, we just kind of give up and say, I'm never gonna get there. I'm never gonna be able to have victory in this area of my life. So that's one reason that we might get stuck. Another is that some of us have, a lot of us have uh, past wounds that there's some woundedness from our family of origin. There's some woundedness from past relationships. There's some woundedness from things of either the things that have been said or done to us. And so those things kind of stick with us and, we, and it kind of causes us to get stuck because we don't move through those. We kind of, we figure out how to cope with those, but we don't allow God to heal those. And it causes us to stay stuck. Another one is that we get kind of satisfied and content 
with where we are in our relationship with God. We're like, hey, I've been walking with the Lord for a while. I got this. And what I want to remind you of today is that God has got so much more for you, his character, who he is, than you know right now. Doesn't matter where you are in your journey, doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord for years and years, there's so much more in terms of who God is, his character, how he operates in the world, how he's communicating to you, what he wants you to do with your life. There's so much more, so don't settle. Don't get to a place and settle. And the last one is we just have a belief problem. We don't believe that God's either big enough or good enough or strong enough to, to deal with the problems that are in our life. And so the reason we chose Psalm 27 to kind of finish the Psalm series is because David's gonna teach us something. He's gonna teach us how to seek him and strengthen our hearts so we can push through some of those things that kind of keep us stuck. And so uh, Psalm 27, you heard Meg say it, I would tell you too, it's just one of my favorites. I don't know that I can say it's my favorite, but it has been transformative for me in my life for the last 35, 30 or 35 years as I've become familiar with that particular passage. So what you need to know is written by David, King David, okay? And um, it's a little bit tough to categorize. There's anywhere from five to seven different categories of Psalms. We've covered several of them, but I looked at a bunch of different writers and they, they really just struggle to say, hey, this is a royal Psalm or a lament Psalm or a confession Psalm. And so uh, I just kind of thought, hey, Perfect, Psalm 27 at the end of our series is kind of a little bit of just a summary of everything that we have done in this Psalm series. It's got a little bit of everything uh, in it. So um, we are going to, as we go through Psalm 27, I'm gonna try to give you a toolbox. Okay, we're gonna get really practical today, uh, today on this thing that's really important. So as we go through our message, I'm gonna give you a toolbox and give you some tools Okay, for you to evaluate, hey, how am I doing at these things that are gonna help me seek God and strengthen my heart? So we ready to go? All right, let me pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to look at your word. Thanks for Psalm 27 and just what it teaches us, David's heart for you um, and just how much we can learn from the Psalms, just how to respond in any number of circumstances and situations. So we just ask that today, Lord, that you would teach us. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's jump into Psalm 27, one through three. Meg read it for us, we're gonna read it again. Just says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom should I dread? And we haven't talked about this yet going through the Psalms, but this is called Hebrew parallelism. Okay, just something to put in your brain, okay, that the Hebrews, when they were writing, when they wanted us to understand a concept or understand a picture, they would state something one way and then they would come back in the very next line and they would use similar but not the same words to kind of help you get a bigger picture or a bigger concept. You'll find it all throughout your scripture, but it was just the style of the way they wrote and that's what they're just done here. The Lord's my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord's the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? Similar language, but helping us understand a bigger concept. So verse two, when evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If a war rises against me, in spite of this, I am confident. Okay, can we stop and just talk about that for a second? 
Okay, David is saying that if a host encamp against me, host is probably at least hundreds, if not thousands, if they are around me, I am not gonna fear. Okay, if a war arise against me, in spite of this, my heart will be confident. How does he say that? that if that's the circumstances going on, how can, he, how can he proclaim that that's where he is in his life? He's about to teach us. He's about to teach us how we cannot fear and have confidence no matter what our circumstances are. And so there's three things I want you to see in, um, in this section. Uh, first of all, there are 13 personal pronouns, okay? I had to go back and talk to my girls about uh, elementary grammar, okay? And so we've got seven mys, uh, three me's, and three eyes in these first three, vo- thir- first three verses. What do you think God's trying to communicate to us? I think I know what he's trying to say. Folks, this is not an Old Testament God who is distant and not connected. It's not some deistic God that has created the universe and just set it in motion. This is a God that wants a relationship with individuals. This is what's going on with David. David is talking about my God, me, I, all of those words like, hey, we need to, this is not a communal Psalm. This is not for the community of Israel. Okay, we can learn some stuff from it as a community, but this is about David. What's he doing to seek God and strengthen his heart? Secondly, David makes some pretty strong declarations here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. This is the only place in the Old Testament where God is spoken of as light. It happens for Jesus several times in the New Testament, but the only place, the Old Testament, he's, he's light. He's the opposite of darkness. He illuminates things. He gives me perspective. The God is my light and my salvation. He saves me from tough circumstances. He saves me, as we know, from eternal extinction is what he does. So David's just saying, God's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I dread? And this is just, I just want you to know that the God of the universe is a God who wants to be with you in all the nooks and crannies and crevices of your life. He wants to be in there. He wants to talk to you about those things because he cares. He loves you and he cares deeply. The next thing I'd love for you to see, and this was, I just loved it whenever I came across this. And so David goes on in verse two, and he says, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell Right, And so I'm like, all right, what's David thinking about when he's writing this psalm? And I came across 1 Samuel 17, 44. Okay, we know the story of David and Goliath, right? Anybody remember what Goliath said to David? Okay, back when David was a very young man, he said this in 1744. The Philistine also said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild animals. You think that's in David's brain right now when he writes this a little later? Absolutely. He's saying, well, you said that was gonna happen to me? Well, just the opposite happened. God, look what you have done in my past. 
And so one of the tools I wanna remind you about today is, folks, we have got to rehearse our victories in our life. Josh, three weeks ago, called them God sightings. And if you didn't write that down as a thing to implement in your life, it's all throughout the Psalms. The idea of remembering what God has done in your life. And so two things in your toolbox, right? Number one, you wanna hold fast to specific truths about God. So David is saying, you're my, my, my light. You're my salvation. You wanna hold fast to specific truths about God. And I'll give you a list of those here in a few minutes when we continue to talk through verse four. And the second thing he does is he rehearses his victories. And so what I want you to do, like I said, we're gonna get super practical today and we're gonna talk about how you do this. How do you rehearse God's victories? How do you meditate on specific truths, okay? First of all, write them down, okay? So some of us are journalers and some of us are not, okay? It's okay, it's not a salvific issue, okay? But I would tell you, if you don't, you're missing out. I've been walking with Christ for 40 years and two of the disciplines that I have noticed in the people that are most mature in their walk with the Lord is they memorize and they meditate on scripture and they journal. And so if you're here and maybe you're new to Christ or maybe you haven't done it in a while, I would just remind you that journaling's an important part. I take notes, whatever sermon I'm listening to, message whoever's teaching, whatever room I'm in, I always am taking notes. Ask me how many times I've gone back to those notes. Thank you, not, not very often, right? I write things in my journal. I go back through my journal at times, but not that often. I write them down because they stick in the moment, right? They get into my head and my heart, okay? And they start, something starts to happen. So I would just tell you, if you're not a journaler, you're not writing down the things that God is doing, man, I would encourage you to start because it's such an important discipline. And it's not a diary, right? It's God sightings encouragements that come to you, things that you need to remember to live, to have, a strong, to have a strong heart. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so we got those two things in our toolbox right now. Let's move on to Psalm 27.4. This is gonna be tough because this is my life verse. I stumbled across this 35 years ago and it has, I hope, defined my life in ministry for the last 30 or 35 years. And it says this, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to dwell in his temple. Okay, so we need to stop right here. David is telling us one thing. It's important. Yes, one thing, okay, is to be in the house of the Lord Okay, and to dwell with him, to inquire, to meditate, to behold the beauty of the Lord is what he is saying. Can you think about any place else in the New Testament there where somebody says, hey, one thing really matters? How about Luke 10, 38 through 42, the story of Mary and Martha? We know that story, right? Because Mary and Martha are getting prepared for Jesus to come. And it starts in verse 41. It said, but the Lord answered and said to, said to her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing, 
One thing is necessary. This is Jesus telling us one thing is really necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. So what's Mary's one thing? What's she doing? Go up, verse 39 says, she, has, she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to him. And so David is telling you one thing really matters. Jesus is telling you one thing is necessary. Jesus says again in Matthew 630 uh, and 633, he just says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, who he is, what he's like. Folks, this is a really big deal. And if we at City Bridge, if we get this right, if we learn how to grow in our seeking God and we learn how to grow in our strengthening our heart, there's no telling how much God is gonna use us to impact his kingdom and to purify his bride. There's one other verse I want you to see here, Proverbs 8, 17, you can write this one down. It just says, I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. So friends, this is all throughout the scripture that our life is a journey of seeking after God so that he could reveal himself to us, behold the beauty of the Lord, David says, and meditate in his temple. And so I wanna help you a little bit. So how do we, back to practical, how do we behold and meditate? How do you do it? So I would just tell you, if you are new to Christ or you don't have some disciplines developed, you need to find kind of a, a normal place in your house or somewhere else at the park, a normal time, and you need to get a plan. And the City Bridge Reading Plan's a great option. There's thousands of plans out there. But to be diligent to do what David did, which is to spend time with Christ beholding the beauty of the Lord and inquiring or meditating in his temple. This is critical as a Christ follower, absolutely critical. So here's some of the things that you can do. So find your spot, get your favorite beverage, okay? Kick your feet up, okay? And just ask, get your Bible, get your journal and just say, hey, God, teach me about your sovereignty. And you start thinking and noodling and you start, hey, what does that mean that God is sovereign, that he's in control? What does it mean that he's Trinitarian, right? That he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, one God, three persons of the Trinity, right? What does that mean? And you need to spend some time just thinking about those things. And as you go through and you meditate on the character of God, that he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he's omniscient, which is all-knowing, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, loving, just, holy, he's immutable, which means he doesn't change. All those characters of God, characteristics of God are so important for us to know. You can spend the rest of your life thinking about those things. And so seek, dwell, behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. Charles Spurgeon said this, he just said, the highest science the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God, 
is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his father. Charles Spurgeon was like 20 years old when he wrote that. And he just said, I'm gonna spend my life dwelling and beholding on the character of God and who he is. And he transformed the world with his life. And so what's, what's the next tool? The next tool is that we just need to spend time with God. And any way you look at it, being a Christ follower means that you need to spend time with Christ. It doesn't, doesn't make God love you more, right? It's just what happens is your heart begins to line up with who he is and the things that he tells you. Your joy grows. Your sense of purpose and mission grows. Your love for him grows. You understand his love for you differently and you're more effective for his kingdom. And so spend time with God. There's a ton of people around this place that would love to help you learn how to do that. We've got a great class that we have called Foundations that just teaches the basic disciplines of, uh, of being a Christian. What does that look like? If you haven't, jump in on Foundations and get some help. Okay, unfortunately, we gotta leave verse four, okay? All right, 27 verses five through eight says this. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you, okay, this is David talking, his father, when you said, seek my face, my heart, David's heart said to the father, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. And so what happens when we dwell with the Lord, we spend time meditating and beholding his beauty, what happens? Right here happens, verses five through eight, you get three things. It says that you get God's protection, you get God's perspective, and it turns into praise. That's what's happening in these verses right here. When you dwell with God, you get protection. Look, it says, you conceal me in the days of trouble, you conceal me in your tabernacle, in the secret place of your tent, you will hide me. You get protection from God. You also get perspective. That's what it means when he's saying, hey, I'm gonna set you on a rock, I'm gonna give you stability, and I'm gonna raise your head above your enemies around you, just says, hey, I'm gonna put you up higher so that you can see and that you can get perspective. When you behold the beauty of the Lord, okay, it gives you perspective. I can see a lot further and I get a bigger view of what's happening because of my time with the Lord. And then in verse eight, it comes right back to seeking. So we got a sandwich here, right? Verse four and verse eight talks about seeking God, dwelling with him. And in the middle, we get those three Ps of the things that happen whenever we do seek the Lord. And so I wanna stop here for a second. Just wanna remind you, just because you're dwelling with God and you're beholding his beauty doesn't mean that God's necessarily gonna change your circumstances the way that you want them to go, okay? What he's gonna do is he's gonna give you perspective. He's gonna give you peace. And he's gonna let praise come from your mouth in the midst of that 
perspective. That's what he does when we dwell with him, when we seek him. Doesn't necessarily, sometimes he chooses to change the circumstances, which is awesome but he doesn't always do that. Let me give you a story. I I started learning this kind of when I was in college. I came to Christ when I was 15 and totally undiscipled. Okay, I just, I cried out in the middle of my folks' divorce. I just said, hey God, if you're there, help. And he miraculously answered that prayer and gave me a heart for him and his word. And it's a great story. Hope I get to tell it to you sometime. Just what God did. But I was a disciple and I was a baseball player. And so my emotions went with my circumstances. So if I had pitched well the night before, I had a great couple of days. Okay, if I have gotten shelled the day before, right, I was bummed, right? I was like, I mean, I was down. And so my emotions were riding on my circumstances that were going on in my life. And so when I went to college to play baseball, I started getting discipled at my college. And men started to plug into me and help me understand this beholding idea and this seeking after God idea and strengthening my heart idea. And so I had decent success in college my freshman and sophomore year, but my junior year, I hit, I don't know what you wanna call it, a slump, I don't know, but I got rocked, shelled, whatever term you wanna know for about, I don't know, six weeks or eight weeks. Every time I went out, balls were flying out of the park all over the place. Okay, and I mean, it was bad. I, so for some of you older people here, so if the name Pete Incavillia means anything to you, he had the NCAA home run record. He hit the longest home run of his life off of me. That, that, that's my claim to fame, okay, in baseball, okay? But I remember during that junior year in the midst of those weeks, okay, walking over to practice and saying, hey God, there's joy in my heart. There's peace in my heart. I have perspective that if I don't become the number one draft pick in the Major League Baseball, it's gonna be fine. And so because I started dwelling and beholding and meditating and inquiring in his temple, spending time with God, all of a sudden my perspective changes. My peace changes. Those other things change. And so I will tell you, I have chosen at times in my life not to dwell with the Lord. I didn't lose my salvation, but there have been times when I've let idols take control of my life. I went a lot of years without addressing a pretty significant father wound that led to a bunch of insecurities in my life, in my ministry, in my leadership. As I went a long time, there have been times I have an amazing completing wife who I love dearly, but there have been some times when I've prioritized ministry and work over my bride and my family. And her favorite line is, hey, preacher boy, let's talk, right? (laughs) And she saved our marriage. There was a time when I was on staff with Young Life and I was working 80 hours a week and she just said, hey, I'm miserable in our marriage. And I mean, that got my attention. And so she's had to do that a few times in our marriage and just kind of say, hey, remember, God says these things matter more, right, than what you're doing. Who you are with Jesus is more important than anything you'll ever do for him, right? And so marriage, kids, that matters. And so there's times when I'm focused on money too much, especially as I get closer to retirement and whatever that is, uh, you know, all that's a, hey, do we have enough? What is that? And so it can kind of take over, right? Your thing, but when I get with the Lord and I dwell and I meditate and I inquire, I start to get perspective. I remember that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
right? It's, it's all his. And so the toolbox is, man, we have got to figure out a way to spend extended time with God so that he can transform our lives, our perspective. And so as we start this new ministry year in 22, 23, one of the things I'd love for you to do is find some space, right? For you to dwell with the Lord. And I promise you, it will change your life. It'll help you be more like, look more like Jesus and be effective for him. All right, so spend time with God, man. Pray for the desire, pray for the discipline, pray to understand that, that, hey, time with God is gonna help all these things get better, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things are gonna be added to you. Pray for that, pray for those things to change in your heart. Okay, verses nine through 12. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. So David even here in the midst of his desperation and his circumstances, he's still saying, God, you've been my help. He's remembering, he's rehearsing his victories, right? It says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord. He's back to seeking Okay, Lord, teach me your way. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence. All right, let me ask you a question. What happens to your heart when your circumstances get desperate? Okay, let's just do, let's just do an example. Let's just say you lose your phone, okay? And you lose it at home, right? You know it's somewhere at the house, kind of no big deal, right? I'm gonna run into it in the next 15 minutes or uh, my spouse can call it, I'll find it and we'll be totally good. So not much energy goes to that. Let's say that you've been at the park earlier in the day or you've been at a restaurant and it's three hours later and you're at home and where's my phone? Where's my phone? You start going back through your day, oh no, I left it here. What happens? Okay, all of a sudden, a lot of energy and focus because of your desperation comes to getting that phone back because it's so important to you, right? There's a lot of really important stuff in there. Even more, let me give you a Kyle and Trisha bad parenting moment, okay? Okay, we're at the beach. We thought we had done our due diligence. Hey, Kendall, here's the four umbrellas up on the beach, red, blue, yellow, green. So make sure you can always see those. If you wanna go out into the surf, that's fine. Okay, and so we thought we were doing good. And so we turn around and we do something else for a few minutes, turn back around, look up, gone. Can't see her anywhere. Okay, we don't know if it's a shark. We don't know if somebody's got her. We don't know if she's drowned. We don't know anything. And so all of a sudden, what happens to us? Everything in us gets focused on how do we find our child? Everything, right? And it is, it's, it's, it's not borderline panic, it's panic, right? How do we do this? And so, so y'all won't lose any sleep tonight, I'll tell you, we found her 10 or 15 minutes later, right? Walking up the beach crying hysterically, okay? Because that current had taken her way, way, way down the beach. But my point in all of that is we focus when our circumstances Get desperate. That's what David's doing here. And he's what's telling us, he's telling us, he's saying, hey, when your circumstances increase in desperation, you run to the Lord. 
right? Don't run to social media. Don't run to old friends. Don't run to old sin patterns. Don't run to your favorite podcast, right? Run to the Lord whenever things get difficult in your life. And so our heart to seek things intensifies depending upon the degree of desperation we feel. And so David's circumstances are desperate. And then he just, he makes his request known. He just says, hey God, here, don't forsake me. Don't turn your face away in anger, right? Don't do those things. And so um, in the last couple of weeks, we've just talked about confession and we've talked about, Jeff did a great job a couple of weeks ago or even last week of just saying, hey, be honest, brutally honest with God. Be brutally, because he can handle it. And so the toolbox here is that allow your circumstances to drive you to God and make your requests known to God. And I would just tell you, man, ask for help. Ask God for help, right? Ask him to help you. Help, ask him to change your heart about things. Remember 13 personal pronouns in the first three verses? This is a God who wants a relationship with you. He wants to be a part of what's happening in your life. All right, let's finish with verses 13 and 14. It just says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's the song we just sang. So what's David saying? He goes, hey, life is hard. And if I hadn't seen God at work in the land of the living, I was gonna be in despair. He knows, just like most of us as Christ followers know, our eternity is gonna be phenomenal. Okay, we got that, okay? But David's just saying, I need to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so we're back to paying attention, living with hope, watching God sightings and things like that to kind of help us strengthen our hearts. So this week, some great stories. Okay, we started our institute. And so we've got 10 friends that are in the institute uh, with us. And we sat, okay, in a room on Tuesday and basically did five minute stories of grace, right? Tell us about your life and how God's redeemed you and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was incredible. Folks were so honest, okay? Folks were so real and our Institute friends were able to proclaim, here's what God has done in my life and totally totally set me free. Let me read some to you, just categorize. So there were several abortions in that room. There were some divorces of our friends in that room. There was sex trafficking represented in that room. There was drug dealing represented in that room. There was drug using represented in that room. There was all kinds of perfectionistic tendencies represented in that room. And you don't think I put that in my journal And I wrote down under that, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. It doesn't matter what you did last night, last week, last month, or 10 years ago. God can redeem your life. He can change your life. He can set you on a road to where you can live fully forgiven, fully free, fully at peace as you live your life with him. Two weeks ago, I got with our staff as well. And I just said, hey guys, I feel like just our um, value of evangelism at our church is kind of low, is a little bit low. Like we're not engaging with people like we want to. And I just said, hey, staff, 
If we want our body to change, we gotta change. We gotta change first. So I just said, hey, I want you to jump on our group staff chat, right? And I want you to tell me anytime you have a conversation with somebody who's far from God or something about church or something, a spiritual conversation, let's do that. And so I happened to be in, in Colorado the, la- the next week and all of a sudden my phone is blowing up with our staff just like, hey, I shared the gospel with this person. I ran into this person. I talked to this person. I had a conversation with here. I shared my testimony here all over the place. And so let me give you a couple of examples if I can. When Andre just texted, just said, hey, pray for, pray for Steve. I just shared my testimony with him. Hey team, pray for Mason. He just walked into City Bridge looking for help at his rock bottom and trying to clean himself back up enough for God. I just met a friend at Sigler and she was encouraged to hear about what's going on at our church. And she's, we invited her to Bible study and regeneration. And then let me read you this, because of your efforts, at Sigler, 230 backpacks, backpacks plus a ton of extra supplies. Here's what it was. Alex, Andrea, and Stacy used their ability to speak Spanish and we were able to communicate with parents in a way we never have before. We invited every single family to City Bridge and told them about the urgent care clinic. Many families said they would be able to buy shoes now that they weren't worried about school supplies. And many responded to the urgent care with great relief and encouragement and took multiple urgent care cards for others. Come on, right? Because of what you did over the month of July, backpacks and stuff, we had a chance to invite and proclaim the gospel. So hey, City Bridge family, will you do this? Will you just ask God to give you the ability to recognize opportunities to engage with people that are lost and to engage with people that are far from God. Folks, this is not hard, okay? David Gentiles and I were having lunch this week and uh, our waiter came up and we started a conversation with him. And I just said, hey buddy, we just, we hang out at a church down the road called City Bridge. And what, do you have a faith? And he's like, well, well, yeah, but we're looking for a church right now. I'm like, great, I know of one. Right, come on down, hang out, come on down, hang out. Folks, you don't have to be weird. (laughs) Have a conversation. My evangelism strategy is start a conversation and get to their story or my story. That's it. And look for where those stories cross over. But man, we have got to grow our, our, just the value of engaging with people that are far from God. And it's getting harder, right? But man, we cannot, as followers of Jesus, let that go below. And so let's take a look uh, at our toolbox as we finish up here, right? So, so we've got, there you go. So hold fast to specific truths of God's character, rehearse God's victories, spend time with God, allow your circumstances to drive you to God, make your request known to him and live with hope because that's what David did. And we finish in verse 14 and it just says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And that's the hard part, right? It's the waiting. So I know so many of you are in really tough circumstances and I would love to be able to give you your timeline for when God's gonna rescue from that. And I just can't, because I don't know. But what's really important right here 
is that God puts a line in between the two, wait for the Lord's. He says, be strong and let your heart take courage. And he's just shown you how to do that in Psalm 27. By dwelling intimately with him, beholding his beauty, meditating in his temple, and letting peace, letting perspective, letting praise come out of your mouth. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about CityBridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.